0: Let's just look at First Corinthians 12 and uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have together, together in this place. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us the grace that we need today to, uh, to hear a message from you. Lord, we know that you are good. Uh, you bless us and you uh, give to us and allow for us to be provided for. Today, it's raining, and just uh, what a great reminder uh, of your provisions for our lives when we are in need, you provide. And so, Father, we thank you for things like the rain, but we thank you for other things as well, in ways in which you bless us, and ways in which we, we're not really even aware of, but we know, Father, that you are a God that cares for us, that, that watches over us, that, that knows the days of our lives and knows exactly uh who we are and in spite of of that information you still love us you still provide you still care you still bless offer grace and mercy and father i pray that today as we are gathered together in this place you would speak to us in such a mighty way and father i, I recognize that i have a part in all of this and so father if you would forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you god if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I pray that today would be that day, a day where they admit sin, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here today that may be struggling or going through hardships or trying to decipher your will for their life, Father, I pray that you would just Uh, Speak to them in a way that they need, in a way that you can. And allow for this to be a day where they respond, respond to your leadership in their life. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you did for us at the cross. It's in your name that we pray and all I've got people said, amen. Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12. Where it's honor your mother and your father. Today's Father's Day. Uh, So let's take a minute to to focus on the fathers, you know. How do you you honor your father in 2023? I mean, I'm sure it looks different today than it did 2,000, 4,000 years ago, 6,000. I mean, how it looks today, how you honor your father today, I'm sure, looks a little bit different than when it did when this was, I mean... So I, I, I'm not very good at honoring my father, so I got on the internet and read, how do you do that? You know, and so here are some things that it listed, okay? How do you honor your father? The first thing that you can do is you can spend quality time with him. You can spend quality time with your father. You can call them, you can go to their house, you can bring your, their grandkids, you can ask them questions, you can talk about your day. That's one thing. Another thing you can do is you can have favorable speech. You can talk about them favorably. So when you're in public, you can speak well about your dad. You can say, you can talk about, I mean, not every father is perfect. No father is perfect, rather. And, and there are times in which you could probably say some pretty ornery things about your dad. And yet, you don't have to. You can talk about the good things. You can speak favorably, favorably about his actions, his character. Another thing that you can do is you can ask him questions. You can, you can seek his counsel. I know this may seem unnecessary to some of you young people, but let me just tell you, your dad, your father, is smarter than you. Okay? He's smarter than you. He's wiser. He's, he's lived more life. He, he knows more than you do. Okay? It may not seem like it, but I promise you, he does the the fourth thing that you can do is you can you can do what your father says. You know when your father speaks, and he asks you to do something, here's a, you know, mind-blowing thing that you can do. You can actually do what he says. I know that's challenging. I know that's even as you grow older, it's even harder, I believe. But when your father asks you to do something, do it. Matter of fact, you can even do this. You can you can do something without him even asking you to do it, knowing like, hey, my dad would like for me to take out the trash. Maybe I ought to do that before, it's crazy, I know. The fifth thing that you can do is you can, you can serve them. The older your folks get, the less they can do for themselves. That's a painful reality, is it not? Like I, my parents are, my dad's 70, my mom's 69, and. It's just one of those things that, you know, uh, we, when I was, when we were, Kathy was pregnant with Annabella, I, we were living in Texas. i am probably shared this story with you before, but I really wanted a son, and people would ask me, what do you want, boy or girl? Well, if you're going to ask me that question, I'm going to tell you the truth, right? Like, I'm not going to lie to you, and I just uh, tell people, "I hey, I want a son, and what she told me, this little lady, Patty Golden of our church, she said, John Jeff, she was, let me tell you something, boys are great, but your daughters will take care of you when you get old. And like that's the truth, right? Like I, as a pastor, like I see this on a regular basis where people are getting older. Their daughters are the ones that take care of them, okay? Or their daughters in law. You know what I mean? It's like I realize that like, like I'm not good. I taken my parents to the hospital, you know, or taking to a doctor's appointment, or sitting in chemo. My sisters are really good at that. I'm more better. I'm, I'm like I. I'm more equipped to trim trees or build a deck, or, you know, I mean I. I can do that stuff, and they need me to do that kind of stuff. But like I can't. There's other things I'm not good at doing. This may seem irrelevant in to, in today's passage scripture, but let me say this. In our passage of scripture for today, Paul is introducing what he's going to be talking about for the next few weeks and the next few chapters. The topic is spiritual gifts. And I believe that in today's passage, Paul is setting the standard that Christians should, should honor their God by using their spiritual gifts. God has given you a gift he has he has empowered you with a spiritual gift and the best way that you can honor him is to use that gift, not to waste it, but to use it. Let's look at the text, chapter twelve, verse one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I did not want you to be uninformed. In the verse, in verse one, the word for spiritual gift can also be translated. Spiritual people, and some of your translations might even say that, I think the new RSV, the New Revised Standard Version says spiritual people, but gifts is a better translation, it really is. It's, contextually, it makes a lot more sense. If your Bible has that, don't be too concerned. It, It can go either way. And I think both of them actually kind of mean the same thing in the grand scheme of things, and, and, but I think that this spiritual gift helps us to understand the context of what he's trying to say a little bit better. The second half of this verse, verse 1, is a is similar language that we saw in previous chapters where Paul is saying, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed. I, I want you to have knowledge here. I want you to, to know the truth. I want you to, to go down the right path. I mean, what coach, what teacher, what, what parent, when want their children, their, their I mean like." The people that they are coaching, the people that they are teaching, like their, ch- their church members, like, who, who, what pastor would say, you know what, I'm going to teach you something false today? I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to, to know the right path to walk down. I want you to, to understand who God is calling you to be. I want you to understand how to use these spiritual gifts for the glory of God. That's all he's saying. I don't want you to be uninformed. Paul wants them to honor God with their gifts. Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, whoever you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. In these two verses, Paul is comparing their former spirituality to their current faith. And every pagan temple, friends, there were idols all throughout the building. These were expensive. They were considered sacred. People would, would pray to them. They would, they would visit them. They would worship them. They would go out of their way to visit them, friends. Okay? And what for? Paul says, hey, your lives weren't changed by these idols. I mean, he says they were what? Mute. You were were led astray by these mute. Another way you can translate the word mute here is dumb. You were led astray by dumb idols. (laughs) That's what he says. You were led astray by idols that had no power. Compare that to what God, to the God that you worship now. The God that you worship now doesn't allow you to curse. God. doesn't allow you to uh, go down the wrong way. He, he, he allows for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He empowers you. He gives you, he gives you gifts and abilities and, and, and allows you to understand truth. He gives you eyes to see. He gives you ears to hear. He gives you a heart to understand and have Feelings and understand, like, this is where God, like, do you not understand, like, when God calls you to do something that's from the Lord? I mean, when when the Lord speaks to you, do you not hear his voice? Is God mute? Is God dumb? Does God not have any power? Of course not. God is active, He's moving, He's working. Look at what God does for you. God is speaking to us. He is protecting us. And he's calling us to salvation. I want to just kind of draw your attention to one thing before we go on with this. Like in this verse here, you have the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit. And you have Jesus in this verse, okay? Just think about this for a second. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Nowhere in Scripture is the word Trinity used, friends. But all throughout Scripture, the Trinity is taught. It's it's all throughout Scripture, friends. Okay? It's a biblical truth. This is what God does for you through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, and through the Son. God is the one who's calls every man, woman, and child to salvation, friends. Nobody has the, ba- the ability, friends, to, to be called into salvation by their own. God is the one who picks up the phone, he dials your number, and he asks you to be a part of the family of God. That's something I can't do for you, friends. God initiates the conversation with each and every person. Each and every person that God speaks to You. You can reject God's call in your life all you want, but God is the one who initiates the call of salvation on your life. Many people will say, God never, he's never spoken to me. He's never called me. He's never, how many times have you passed by a church and never went in? How many times have you been invited to church and never gone? How many times have you seen God's word and never opened it up? How many times have you seen the beauty of creation? and never believed in the Creator? How many times did you hear the gospel and never accept? I mean, God is everywhere, friends. He's, he's absolutely everywhere, in every moment, in every situation. He's an unseen guest here today. He's speaking to us today. He's speaking to you today. And many of us will say, yeah, that, maybe that is God. Maybe it's not. I don't care. I'm not doing it. Many of us will will hear it and say, you know what, I should do that and do nothing. I'll do that later. Let's put it off. God is the one who initiates, friends. I heard it said that ambition is when a man fills the gap between where he is now and where he wants to be. Ambition is... when a man, he fills the gap from where he is now to where he wants to be. Entitlement is just the opposite. It's when a man sees where he's at now and expects another man to fill the gap between where he is now and where he wants to be. Friends, no one is responsible for your faith other than yourself. You are the one he will answer for the decisions that you make with your life. Like no, It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your pastor, it's not your son. I mean, you are the one that's responsible for you. When God calls and he speaks to you and he enables you and he gifts you, it's your responsibility. Like, You are empowered by the Holy Spirit and God expects you to do something with it. It's your job. It's your responsibility. Listen to what Paul says in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them and everyone. In verses 4 to 6, Paul is saying that no matter what your gifts are, God is the one that gifts each person their spiritual gift. God is the one who empowers us. God is the one who enables. The fact that God gives a variety of gifts, friends, services, activities, tells you something about man, but I think more importantly, it tells you something about God, about who God is. The God that we worship is big enough to understand each of us in such a way that he empowers each of you with A gift fit for you. Psalm 139 says that God knows what each of your days are are going to be. He knows how many days that you have. He's created you, He's knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows what you're going to look like before you were even created. If that's true, don't you think that God knows how to give you the proper gift? I mean, if God knows everything about you, he knows the days of your life, he knows what each day is going to look like, (laughs) don't you think God knows how to empower you with the right and proper gifts? People are different. We're all the same. But friends, make no mistake, each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. Each of you. God has knit you together for a purpose. He's brought you into this life for a reason. Don't believe me. Look at verse The last few verses of our text today, verses 7, 8, 9, 10. We'll get to 11 here in just a minute. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another... Faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 7, God enables us with the Holy Spirit. Why? For the common good. Not to make us famous, but for the common good, for the good of others. God calls us to service, not stardom, friends. God calls you to serve, not to be famous. The church in Corinth needed to, re- to be reminded that God enables us for the good of the church. Friends, if you're wealthy, do you hoard your wealth or do you share it? If you have the ability to do something, do you just sit and not do anything with that ability? If you're a great cook, do you, do you not cook? If you have wisdom, do you not share it with other people? If you have knowledge, do you not teach it to other people? I mean, God says, "Hey, I give you these gifts, not for your good, but for the good of others." In 2017, a hurricane, hurricane Harvey caused 125 billion dollars worth of damage. 125 billion dollars worth of damage. Over 100 people died. I mean, thousands of homes were destroyed. JJ Watt, a a football player for the Houston Texans, raised 120. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He raised 37 million dollars to help relief efforts. A football player. He raised 37 million dollars to provide food shelter to rebuild homes to the people of Houston the new head coach of the Houston Texans his name is DeMarco Ryans he he played with Watt in Houston and this is what he said about his former teammate everyone knows what J.J. Watt means to the city of Houston and not just football it's the charitable work that J.J. That J. J. has done he represents the Texans he is a Texan We want to build this team with guys that have the character of J.J. Watt. That's the type of men we want in our organization. He used his talent. He used his ability for the good of others. Not to bring stardom to himself, but to help other people. Paul says, do the same thing with your spiritual gifts. When God gives you the ability to do something, use it not for your own good, but for the good of others. Some of us have the gift of wisdom, some knowledge, some faith, some healing, some miracles, some prophecy, some discernment, some speaking and interpreting and speaking in tongues. This isn't a comprehensive list. I mean, Paul, you look in Romans, you look at even in the second part of this chapter. I mean, you look in Ephesians I mean, Paul shares other lists of spiritual gifts that are not just in this. It's not comprehensive, friends. Many of us have gifts that aren't on this list. Many of these gifts, I, I fear, are being abused throughout the church right now. Not to make, them, make, not to make the church better, but to make themselves look great. It's unfortunate that people would abuse what God meant for good. Listen to verse 11. All these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each one individually. Friends, God empowers each one of us with a spiritual gift. certain gifts do not equate a hierarchy of talents favor with God just because you have the gift of, of wisdom or discernment and I have the gift of preaching doesn't mean that you're better than me or I'm better than you but rather that we're all equal we're all called to use them for the same reason for the good of others I, I, I read an article here recently recently that said that Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete of all time hard to argue against that. Many of you watched Bo Jackson as a royal, just a phenomenal athlete. He wasn't just a, a professional baseball player and an all-star baseball player. He was an all-star football player. I mean, Bo Jackson could have played three professional sports. He could have ran track professionally. He played baseball. He played, I mean, he was just a freak of an athlete. He, there's a story where when he was in high school, he hit the ball so hard, so high, that when it hit the ground, he was at third base. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. He, he ran like a decathlon. He set state records in, in, when he was in high school in track. He, he ran a decathlon, and he wouldn't have to run the, the long-distance race because he was, he was winning all the other ones. And no matter what happened, he would, like, he would win the decathlon without even competing in one of the races. Just a freak. I mean phenomenal. And he, his career got ended because of what? A hip injury. His hip got taken out of socket and he had to get an artificial hip in and his career was ended. And some people would say, wow, what a waste. But that was a, that's, a, that's an accident. It's not a waste of talent. Something happened to him that caused his career to end. And then you look at other people who whose careers are, they have the same amount of talent, I mean, the same amount of athletic ability. I mean, they could do anything they want. And then they, what do they do, though? They take their talent and they just waste it. I mean, I think about Ja Morant, who's a basketball player for Memphis. And here's a kid that has, I mean, he is the most electrifying basketball player in the NBA right now. Just, I mean, he is, he plays with reckless abandonment. I mean, I love to watch him play, but he is, Ruining his career, he's ruining his life with the decisions, the poor decisions that he's making off the court. It's just, it's hard to watch. And we see that in people's lives, do we not? Not professional athletes, but people in our own family. People that we love. We see that they have so much talent and so much ability and so much giftedness. And God has blessed their life. And instead of doing something with it, what do they do? They do nothing. They're lazy. Friends, make no mistake about it. The church can be filled with lazy people. There's an old saying: twenty percent of the people do what, eighty percent of the work. Isn't that just sad? That's a, a principle that's not only true in business, but it's true in the church. That twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work. God hasn't gifted you to sit around and do, like, to be on the sideline, to be sitting in the pews and not doing anything. God has enabled you for a certain task. What are you doing with it? Let me just say something. This week, I I I got a phone call from two guys. Actually, I got a phone call from one guy. Another guy came into my office same day, though. And uh, let me make sure I don't kill myself here. Uh, But same day, two guys. One guy came into my office. Another guy called me. Both are in their mid forties. Both of them have families. Both of them have really good jobs. And both of them said to me this. I didn't provoke any one of these conversations. One called me, one came in unannounced. I feel like God's calling me into the ministry. I feel like God's calling me into full-time vocational ministry. Same day, same morning. You know what their concern is? Finances. You know, how do I provide for my family? Is this going to, like, I have a really good job now and and I understand that concern. I really do. You know, my response to that is just simply, you know, if, if, you, if you didn't have a family to provide for, where would you go? Would you go into ministry? If you, and if, if the answer is still yes, then it's just financial. And, and we just need to trust that the Lord is going to provide for you. Has God not provided for us? Has God not provided for you? Of course he has and so, if God calls you into the ministry, He's going to what? Provide for you. You know, He certainly has in my own life, and um, I, I I say that to say, most importantly, I want you to know that God is still in the business of calling men and women into ministry. God is not dead, friends. He's not quiet. He's not sitting on the sidelines. Looking at our world and seeing the destruction and the depravity and not doing anything about it. God is in the business of calling men and women to serve Him, to change lives. This week, our staff went around and we prayed for y'all. And uh, Pastor Ken led us in this prayer walk. And one of the prayers that was lifted up was for our children. And they prayed, maybe one of them is the next pastor. Maybe one of them is the next Lottie Moon, the next Billy Graham. I had a professor in seminary, he said, I just hope that one day one of my students is the next Billy Graham. There could be one of our children that are, I mean, just think like God is calling, forming them into ministry. And they don't know it. But they need Sunday school teachers. They need VBS workers. They need youth workers. They need a a father figure. They need someone that's going to love them and care for them and instruct them in the way that they should go. They need a church that teaches and preaches God's word unapologetically. They need a church, friends, that serves their community, that sets the example of what it means to go into the nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They need people to to see that live on mission, that answer the call that God has placed in their life. They need people that are generous, Dr. Bob Utley says that God does not gift us with with merit badges, but with servant towels. I hope you have your towel ready. God is working and moving in Wyatt Park, and we need men and women who are willing to serve. If God is leading you and he's calling you, Would you take this time to answer the call that God has placed in your life to use the gifts and the talents that he has enabled you? Would you honor him today? Father God, we thank you so much for this day that we have. We thank you for the time that we have to gather together in this place. And we are just so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing here at Wyatt Park. We're thankful for the many people who serve Father, I I know that uh, it's not just one person that's behind the scenes, but it's a multitude of men and women who are setting props up for VBS and they're preparing lessons and they're teaching Sunday school and they're loving people. They're involved in Pivotal Point or they're involved at the prison or they're involved in youth activities. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to draw men and women to you and father would you just continue to to use us to reach this community with the gospel of jesus christ and help us lord to to be more like your son jesus and lord if you would forgive us when we're not father i pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted jesus that. I pray, Lord, that they would do that and they would experience what it means to be a follower of Jesus and experience the call that you place on our lives and, and the gifts that you give us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just allow for this to be an opportunity in their lives where they, they recognize your love for them. Father, I, I pray for the believer that may be struggling, maybe going through hardships or or even just trying to decide your will for their life, and I pray, Lord, that you would just give them the grace to see the next step, the next decision that they are to make. And Father, would you be honored and glorified in our decisions that we make today. Lord Jesus, we love you. I pray all these saints in your name and all God's people said.